Lord, we just bring ourselves before you. We just want to sit at your feet. Want to learn from you, Lord. Want you to speak to our hearts. Want you to inspire us and shape us. And to be the voice that we hear this morning speaking. Lord, so just move among us now. We pray by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's get into God's word together this morning. Today is um, the next part of our vision series. Every week this month, we're talking about uh, how it's our vision as the King Center family to glorify God by doing three things, which without the screen going up, those things, three things are reaching, releasing, reaching, relating, releasing. And so each week we're tapping into uh, those different points and drawing something out from those as we talk about reaching people for Jesus through the life-changing message of the gospel, being a church that brings hope to the communities to which God has called us. This week we come on to relating. Um, Claire, are you able just to flick through these sub points for me? That'd be great. Thank you. This week we come on to relating, helping people to grow in their faith as we seek to love God and one another well. That's where I'm going to hang out today. Uh, under that also is building community and growing through discipleship in relational size gatherings and groups. You know, um, that's something we've spoken a lot of lately. Um, you know, with, with the life groups, with why we've planted a church, with, uh, you know, when we've had breakfast services, we've talked around family and the need to gather in unity. So I'm going to hang around in the whole thing of loving God and one another well today. And then releasing, which Wendy will be picking up next week, developing and releasing people in gift and calling, releasing resources as we seek to be a blessing. How many people know when you talk about your vision, you're talking about your goals? So we're not professing to have arrived as a church in every area, but we're saying this is certainly where we want to be heading. This is certainly something we want to grow in and, and, and develop in. And so today we come to uh, relating. Now, I was recently part of a leadership training course with Basil D'Souza, and Basil's going to be with us, Pastor Basil from India, uh, Mumbai Tane, and his lovely wife Kathy are going to be with us uh, on the 9th of October. So don't miss that Sunday. West uh, will be joining us. It'll be our one Sunday celebration. Uh, I was part of a really, uh, leadership training course, and Basil's a, something now to me as well, personally, a, a sort of a mentor. He does, uh, he does coaching. He spends time with pastors. He's a pastor of pastors and we spend you know time on zoom to get in things together and chatting with one another and uh, during this course we came to a particular thing and one thing he's really hot on is good communication uh, the power and importance of good communication and he made a point and I'd like you really please to consider carefully before you amen too loudly to this one that often as leaders we waffle a lot <laughs> <laughs> now I know what you're thinking not in this church but it's it does happen and his point is really what he was saying is that by sometimes by learning to say less, and by that I mean being more succinct and to the point in what we want to say, we can communicate in a more memorable and effective way. And so he was saying that perhaps sometimes preachers and meetings go, uh, business meetings, uh, meetings behind the scenes, of sometimes they may stretch on longer than they may need to because we can communicate better. And so he kept doing this really annoying thing. Oh man, I've just thought to myself as I said that, this is on the internet, isn't it? I <laughs> Anyway, he do, kept doing this really develop, developmental thing for us. And he would say to you, he would ask you a question, and then he would say to you, right, answer that question. So you'd answer the question, you'd give an answer to him, and he'd say, now say it in a sentence. 
oh, right, okay. So you'd have to think to yourself, how do I condense that down into a sentence? Now say, now say it in a word. Now, that's really challenging at times. And he was trying to get us down. Like, and one of the key areas was vision and values. So what's your vision and values? And so, you know, like I'd respond to that with probably a lot of waffle. And then he said, now say it in a sentence. Now say it in a word. Like, what's at the core of your, your vision and values? And so you're talking about with vision and values, you know, what matters most to you. You're trying to define and boil down into a few points and communicate succinctly and effectively and memorably what matters most to you. Now, don't want you to think this morning that that is the latest trendy thing to do. Okay, Jesus did it. And I want to show you where he did it because in Matthew chapter 22, we find Jesus in the firing line of a lot of questions that are coming his way. They're asking him a lot of questions and, and all about any number of things. And then it says in verse 34 to 36, hearing that, Jesus has silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together, been answering their questions. One of them, an expert in the law or a lawyer, as some versions say, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Some versions say the most important commandment in the law. Now, let me come back to the whole link with the, the, the course in a moment and, and bringing it all down. Now, when you read an expert in the law and lawyer, I don't want you to think suited and booted and attending court. That's not what we're talking about. You're an expert in the law of Moses, the Mosaic law, the Torah. Your job was to interpret it and to explain it. And that's not just the Ten Commandments. Okay, We think of the Ten Commandments, but actually it was all the commandments given from God in the Old Testament. 613 commandments. 613 things that God has said you were or were not supposed to do. How many people know living like, like that sounds a little overwhelming? 613 things, right? You're thinking, man, your mind's blown. You're thinking that is a lot of rules to need to try and follow. And the lawyer basically comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you had to boil it all down into what matters most, taking all of this way that God says we should and shouldn't live, if you had to boil it all down succinctly, memorably, and you had to strip it all right down, what would you say in a few words matters most? Sum it all up. How does God want us to live? What does God want us to do? And verse 37 says this, And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your Mind, Mark chapter 12 says, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or some versions say, as you do yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's quoting from Leviticus chapter 19. And he's saying this, of everything that's been spoken, of everything that's been revealed, it all boils down to this. Make it your vision. Make it the goal of your life, the most important thing in your life, to love God more than anyone or anything else, and love others as you do yourself. So the reason we're putting relating in our King Center family vision is because we want to put up in lights what Jesus said when you boil all this down matters most about what we do. That's loving God 
and loving one another well. We want to be a people with a vision to grow in our love for God and for one another. Anyone here know there's some work still to be done in those areas of their life? Now, just before COVID hit, you've heard the story that we decorated our lounge. I tell that story a lot because I don't decorate very often, so I haven't got many stories to tell. But uh, we decorated our lounge at home and um, just before COVID hit. And you will know, those of you who know me, know that uh, my DIY skills are frankly quite legendary. And um, I am about as much use as a chocolate teapot. I'm terrible when it comes to DIY skills. I was trying to think if I've told you this story. If I have, just, just you know, humor me. Um, and if I haven't, great. But I, I hung a curtain pole. Now, you're like, whoopee-doo. Yeah, honestly, in our house, that is whoopee-doo, right? I hung a curtain pole at the end of the thing, and it was a thing of beauty, right? I, it's the first time I think I've ever hung a curtain pole, and it was straight, and it was in the wall. And I mean, some evenings, I'll just find myself looking up and admiring it, right? I just like, it's my curtain pole. And I didn't have to call the father-in-law in. Tim didn't have to come around and save me. Pete, my brother-in-law, didn't have to come and save me. That was my curtain pole. Now, one evening, a couple of weeks after we decorated it, we like music and the tunes are, uh, are playing loudly in our house. And uh, we, you know, we, we like a bit of cold play. And, uh, and uh, Jake starts dancing around in the, in, in the lounge with his blessing because he's reached that age. I have checked if I can tell this story. I didn't give him a... A lot of choice, but I did check. And uh, I asked him on the way in the car, and they're like, so it's a bit late now, Dad, if I tell you you can't. But he has given me approval to tell this story. Jake, I don't, he may not show you, but Jake does a really good impression of a dance of Chris Martin. That he dances in a very particular way from Coldplay. And uh, Sky Full of Stars is, is playing in a house, and it's up loud. And, uh, and Jake's dancing, and I'm like, Claire, Claire, you've got to come see this. It looks really good. It's like, you know, just like Coldplay. And Jake's dancing around. He dances back, dances back, dances back into the curtains, falls into the curtain, and pulls the whole curtain pole out of the wall. He's in a heap. I didn't care. My first thought was not for the welfare of my son. It was for my curtain pole. I think it literally went something like this. Threw him out of the way. And I, oh. oh, by the way, are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right, Dad. And it hung out. Now, I've got a curtain pole hanging out the wall. I'm dying a little bit inside. It's pulled out some of the wall. And I'm thinking to myself, right, now what can I do? And so... Someone says to me, oh, it was a great hack with gaffer tape. Put it around your raw plug. So I tried gaffer tape and fatten it out to make the hole a bit wider where it pulled out some plaster and wedged it back in and came down the next morning and my curtain pole's hanging out the wall. No. And then I got some poly filler and I tried to put the poly filler in the wall and fix it back. Took all the curtains off, removed the weight, come down the next morning. It's hanging out the wall like this. I'm like, oh, my life. Those of you who know me, you know I'm a super chill person. Don't get stressed by much. And... <laughs> It's really eating away at me. I mean, day and night, I'm attempting to fix this thing. Claire's like, you've got to let the polyfiller dry. No, I was so trying to fix this thing. I so wanted to get it right. The screws came out. The gaffer tape didn't work. Come down bent. Now you're thinking, what's all this got to do? The point was this, right? That pole could no longer take the weight of everything I was trying to hang upon it. 
Everything was being held up by those screws. They were the most important thing. It was only when I re-drilled the holes, which I did manage to do, got the basic things right. Everything worked as intended and was held up in the way in which it's supposed to be. Now, when Jesus says here, all the other commandments hang upon loving God most and loving others well, he's saying this, if we don't make it our chief vision and goal in our life to love God well, love God most, love God more than anything, and love others as we do ourselves, everything else, activity-wise that we do, will fall down. Yes. It may look okay for a bit, because each night I would go to bed and think, I've done it, but when I'd come down in the morning, it would not be held up. And the point is this, whatever we do in life may look okay for a while, But nothing will be held up unless loving God and loving others is at the heart of what we do. It all falls down on that. So God's like, yeah, there's all these other commandments, but if that's not at the heart of everything, it just falls down. What you're trying to do can't even carry the weight of things. You see, everything we do and are hangs upon love. Well-known scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver my body up to be burned, I mean, wow, this is extreme stuff, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Read this last line with me. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, I recently heard it said, and I liked it, so I'm, I'm taking it. It's not mine. But this person said this, for us as Christians, the art of living is loving. And for me, that really captures what Jesus is trying to say here. Boiling it all down, it becomes a love thing. I believe, actually, if we sat together, and we won't because of the fact that I talked about you shouldn't waffle to it, but if we looked at all 613 commandments together this morning, I believe we'd see at the heart of things, it's a love thing. Now, what you, s- you might be thinking, what do you mean by that? Well, think about just the 10 that we will all know really well from Exodus 20 for a moment, the, the 10 commandments. You know, the, the, the first four of the Ten Commandments deal vertically. They're all about your relationship with God. No other gods before me, idols taking my name in vain, keeping the Sabbath holy. It's all about doing that for God. Okay? And the point is simply this. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're not going to put other things before Him. You're not going to take His name in vain. You're going to honor Him with at least one day per week. Now, I'm you know, skipping through here. I'm, I'm, I'm at a pace, but I hope you're following me. The second six are horizontal. Honor your father and mother. Cannot uh, commit adultery. You know, shall not steal, shall not lie, covet. You know, all these, that's all in there, okay? The greatest thing about that is this, you see. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're not going to covet. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to lie about them because you love them. 
So friends, it has to be the greatest vision we can possibly carry as a church and as people who are followers of Jesus Christ to love God more than anything and anyone else and to love others as we do ourselves. Now, a beautifully simple idea that's incredibly difficult to live out. It sounds so simple, but why do we find it so difficult? How do we do it? Well, I've got three simple points I want to share with you today. I hope that they're memorable. I hope they're punchy and to the point. And it's simply this. Love upwardly, love outwardly, love inwardly. Okay, would you say that with me together this morning? Love upwardly, love outwardly, love inwardly. Love upwardly, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Not love the Lord the God. Your God. Your God. And so we want to make it our vision to be a church that continually draws people back to the truth. Your personal relationship with Jesus is everything. It's everything. And I'm not teaching you anything new today, but again, as I spent time on this, it's just like God repeatedly just recenters you and brings you back to that place. And it's just, you just realize, this me and Jesus and time with him every day and loving him and opening my Bible and worshiping and listening and just sitting with him and being with him is everything. Your God, personal. God has done everything through Jesus to make this personal. I really want to ask you, how's your relationship looking? I really want to encourage you grow in your relationship with him. Jesus says loving God like this is loving him with the totality of who we are. A heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, our heart in the Bible, you'll know this. It's like the control center. It's more than the physical organ that's beaten in your heart. But it's the very place that we make the decisions of life from. It's, it's not like, don't think of it where people say, oh, you think it from your head or from your heart. It's like the heart in the Bible is right literally at the heart of everything in our life. It's where we make our decisions are made. And how many people know every relationship, and you'll often hear me say this, I've said this a lot before, but every relationship begins with a decision. Every relationship begins with a yes. But let's nudge that on a further, friends. I believe every relationship is sustained by continually saying yes. Relationships break down when someone says something or does something that says no. And so every day, it's about continually saying yes to Jesus. The soul is loving God with all our will and emotions. It means to love Him with passion. The mind is loving God by the way we think and how we think about things. How many people like me know that you've found the more you've fallen in love with Jesus, the more you've realized there's quite a few of your thoughts that are wrong? Just me then. And your strength is loving God with everything you've got, all that's within you, bringing it to the table. So we love upwardly. Secondly, it says here to love outwardly. Love your neighbor, in verse 39, as yourself, as you do yourself. We're talking about loving others. There, of course, when we talk neighbors, there are neighbors within the community of faith. There are neighbors outside of the community of faith. We're talking about everyone. How many people know today they could perhaps do with growing in this area of their life? 
Because it's not easy, is it, to always love others? It's not. And as pastoral as we might like to think we are, there's room for growth and, and caring for other people. I uh, heard a story, um, this is not mine, I heard a story of a, of a pastor who was going on holiday. And uh, he had an assistant pastor who had been working with him for a number of years. And he said to the assistant pastor, he said, look, I'm going on holiday. I want you to grow in things. So I'm going to give you two of my most treasured possessions. And I want you to look after them while I'm away on holiday. And he said, so while I'm away on holiday, he said, I'm giving you my cat. I'm a mother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> so he gave him the cat and the mother-in-law and the pastor went on holiday. And he's away on holiday. He's after a few days. He's thinking, look, I need to check in. I need to see how the assistant pastor's doing. He's been working with me for a few years. How's he getting on with what I've asked him to do? And so he rings him up and he's, he says, oh, you know, are you having a, yeah, yeah. He says, look, he said, I was just wondering, how's the cat? And the assistant pastor said, it's dead. <laughs> right now you think, is he telling a joke or a true story? <laughs> he said, it's dead. He went, what do you mean the cat's dead? He said, you can't just say it like that. He said, that's not very pastoral, is it? That's not how you love others. That's not how you, you care for them. You should have said it in a more pastoral, loving way. And so he said, oh, sorry. He says, well, what, what should I have said? He said, well, you should have said something like this. You know, oh, day one, the cat don't really see him itself. Day, day two, I've, it's been coming and going. I've not really seen it much. Day, day three, I haven't seen the cat at all. The cat's like disappeared. Day four, the cat's up on the garage roof, has stood on the edge of the garage roof. And day five, I found the cat dead. So he went, oh, sorry. He went, uh, anyway, look, he says, it's giving you something to work on, isn't it? He says, don't worry about the cat. He said, how's the mother-in-law? She says, she's up on the garage roof. <laughs> it's good to laugh. Now, I've got you laughing, now I'll hit you with a straight point. I believe that actually, friends, be it inside or outside the community of faith, it's only by experiencing the love of God that you'll be able to love others well. Because from God flows love in its truest and purest and highest form. Because God is love. 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now here's what I'm trying to say to us. Friends, the best type of love there is has got to flow into me for it to be able to flow out of me. We love, it says, because he first loved us. John 17, 26 says, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that you love, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And that just struck me again this week that Jesus longs for you to experience and know the Father's love in you. Why? That experience is for you, but it's also for others. And what we need to realize is that loving well outwardly is actually rooted in the realization my relationship with God is the most important thing. Loving outwardly flows out of loving upwardly. Because I cannot give away what I haven't experienced. 
this highest and purest form of love that has a capacity to love in a whole different way to which we do because often, you know, we will withhold love on the basis of whether we feel someone deserves it or not, you know, or if they do something to us or people love things, they get things out of. I love that food, the way that makes me feel. I love that sport. I love that person because the, the way they make me feel. I love that hobby because of the way it makes me feel. I love going to church because of the way it makes me feel. But when we're not feeling it, people say, well, I'm stopped loving. So that person, I'm not getting anything out of that anymore. I don't love them anymore. I'm not getting anything out of the interest, so I'm stopping it anymore. But God's capacity to love, his, his love is of a totally different order, of a totally different dimension, but that cannot flow out and through my life unless it's flowing into my life. And so receiving his love from my Upward relationship enables something of a different dynamic to flow out. And so I remember my father-in-law being on a, a Grilla Christian Q&A session in a church with a whole number of people. He was part of a panel. And I remember someone asking him, who do you love most in your life? And he replied, God. And the reply to that was, you love God more then you love your wife or your children? And he replied, yes. And some people couldn't get their heads around it. But John Bloom really explains it much better than I do. And he says this, the most loving thing we can do for others is love God more than we love them. For if we love God most, we will love others best. The highest, purest form of love of a different dynamic and a dimension flowing into my life so it flows out of my life. You know, I've said many times before that Claire and my, f- and my kids will testify, I'm a more loving, nicer person when I'm closer to God than when my affection for Him has ebbed. I find my capacity to love does too. People say things like, you know, for the Bible, well, our faith is revealed by our works. The Bible tells us, it nudges uh, along in this direction, this conversation as well, and tells us our love for God is revealed by our love for others. How we love others actually reveals how we love God. 1 John 4.20 says, He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 1 John 3 verse 16 to 18 says, By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love upwardly. Love outwardly. And lastly, love inwardly. Love your neighbor as your self or some versions say as you do yourself now that sounds super modern kind of you know you've got to love yourself kind of thing talk we hear a lot of that now and someone may counter that by the fact that like in second timothy chapter two uh, in second timothy sorry uh timothy talks about not chapter two second timothy timothy talks about misfocused love Uh, And one of the signs that he talks about of godlessness is he says in the last days in verse 3, specifically, people will become, quote, lovers of self. And now I'm talking to you about loving yourself. I think what he's really saying is this, friends, that without loving God, we're in danger of actually ending up loving ourselves in a faulty way. 
And that one of the faulty ways, as I've already touched on, is that life can, can become all about me. If I don't get what I want or something, uh, something or someone I stop loving, if I think they don't deserve it, I withhold my love. But actually, there must be a healthy way to love ourselves. There must be, because Jesus speaks of it here in a positive light. As you do yourself, as being essential to loving others well. Friends, I simply want to say this today. I believe that Jesus wants to love yourself in this way, and that's to see your value to the Father and to Him. It's to learn to see ourselves through the lens of the cross, through the finished work of Christ, and realize how valued and loved you are. I was struck that day when we baptized Jack, and he said how they'd sat around that campfire, and someone said John 3.16, and about putting your name in John 3.16, and how that was the moment when the lights just came on for him. Maybe we need to just revisit that verse and put our names in there again. For God so loved Gav, Martin, Wendy, etc. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, it begins with God's love for us. We return it up. We love God. We love it out. We love others. Because of the finished work of cross, we healthily love inwardly and love ourselves. I want to encourage us today to carry a vision to be a people who do that well. I wonder if the band could just come back for me, please. Carry a vision to be a people who do that well. It's what God wants for us. Let's make it our vision, our goal, to cultivate each direction of loving and living. Let's ask God to lead us and teach us in the art of living that is loving. I'm just going to ask the band to begin to play. In a moment, we're going to sing a closing song and take up our tithes and offerings before we do the notices. But as I finish today, I want to just say this. Love is a person and his name is Jesus. Just hold the offering for a second just for me if we can, just for a minute. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for being ready to do that. If you don't know him, if you've never asked him into your heart, I want you to know today he loves you so much he died on a cross for you. I want you to know he came on a rescue mission to save you from your sins. And I want you to know this from experience. If you'll let him in, you'll know love like you've never known before. But you have to say yes. I finish in today with a story I read recently about the famous evangelist Billy Graham who lived from 1918 to 2018, a friend of the Queen. It says this, when Billy Graham was 92 years old, he was struggling with Parkinson's disease. In January, a month before his 93rd birthday, leaders in Charlotte, North Carolina, invited their favorite son, Billy Graham, to a luncheon in his honor. Billy initially hesitated to accept the invitation because of his struggles with Parkinson's disease. But the Charlotte leader said, we don't expect a major address, just come please, let us honor you. He agreed. After wonderful things were said about him, Dr. Graham stepped to the podium, looked at the crowd and said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who this month has been honored by Time magazine as the man of the century. 
Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train where the conductor came down the aisle, punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached in his vest pocket, couldn't find his ticket, so he reached in his trouser pockets. It wasn't there, so he looked in his briefcase, but he couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him. He still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I, I know Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded, nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. As he was ready to move to the next car, he looked around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed, rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry, I know who you are. No problem, you don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. Having said that, Billy Graham continued. See the suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. So I went out and bought a new suit for this luncheon on one more occasion. You know what the occasion is? This is the suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. May your troubles be less, your blessings more, and may nothing but happiness come through your door. Life without God, he said, is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. May each of us have lived our lives so that when our ticket is punched, we don't have to worry about where we're going. Friends, the gospel is simply this, that God loves you so much. He don't want to leave you in your sins this morning. He died on the cross. He's paid the price. Simon shared that with us earlier on to rescue from that so that you can know Him now and this incredible love that we're talking about. Love like you've never tasted or known before. Love of another order flowing into your life. The life-giving relationship of walking with Jesus every day and the assurance of when this is all over of knowing where you're going to an eternity in heaven with Him forever paradise free from pain and suffering and all that to be with him that's eternal life to know him is eternal life